On this week's episode of Empower, I'm joined by the founders of Diversity Fund Houston, Tiffany Williams and Kylie Summers. We learn about venture capital and how you can get funded when you're talking about a startup. Empower is a podcast presented by the Houston Area Urban League that serves to inform young professionals about the Urban League, its programs, and the various civic and social topics pertinent to the community they serve. And welcome to another episode of Empower. This week, I am joined by two people who are very, very familiar with the Urban League. I'm joined by Ms. Tiffany Williams and Mr. Kylie Summers. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. well. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Always glad to have Urban Leaguers amongst us. And so, you know, with each episode, we like to kick it off and talk about our guests and how they came to know the Urban League. And so, you know, Tiffany, we'll start with you and then kick it over to Kylie. Awesome. So first, let me say thank you for the invitation. I appreciate the opportunity. I love talking about the Urban League and everything that they've done for me. Um, So, of course, as Ray said, my name is Tiffany and um, I have a video production company, Twice Media Productions. And I also have Diversity Fund Houston, which you'll hear much more about as we go on here today. But my company Twice Media is how I was initially introduced to the Urban League. So I actually know I was introduced through the Young Professionals first, through my realtor when I first moved to Houston. And then I immediately joined from that one event that I attended and that I was automatically put on the newsletter. And that's how I found out about the Small Business University. And so I was a new business owner and decided to go through that program and then ultimately became a tenant of the Urban League and has been a tenant ever since. So it's going on five years now. And so really just that program, that relationship, everything has really been instrumental in helping me grow and sustain my business for almost eight years now. And so um, I love the Urban League. I continue to volunteer. I go back and facilitate the module on video marketing every year to the Small Business University. Always do something with the Small Business Exchange and just, you know, love to support the Urban League however I can. And um, yeah, just keep the relationship growing. It's been mutually beneficial. And um, I'm really glad that I was able to um, become a part of this Urban League community so early on. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been a great journey. No, that's fantastic. I think, I think we met through the Urban League, didn't we? We did, we did. So yeah. you, I think you might've been vice president of the young professionals if not vp you were definitely on the board and that's right. how we initially met you were working at the urban league and um some kind of way you phil and i had a meeting i don't even know about what at this point but um that's how we initially met and then of course we've been friends ever since okay so yeah that means that was at least before 2013 but based on that timeline well, no, that was, no, that was actually 2013. It was. Yeah, so it would've, that would have been the latest. Yeah, 2013. Okay. Because um, I moved to Houston in 2012, joined the Young Professionals at the end of that year, and then um, really kind of got involved in 2013 with the Small Business University. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that was, uh, I was still working there. So, no, I know exactly what you're talking about now. Now, I guess for me, some of the things you just referenced, 
with the Small Business Exchange and, you know, coming back to speak on the different modules for the Small Business University, those are things you're doing as a volunteer. And, you know, why would you continue to commit time? And, you know, I've seen you do a lot of stuff for the Urban League as a volunteer. So why do you keep doing that? Oh, man. No, no, seriously, like I said, it's been a mutually beneficial relationship. So I've learned a lot from the Urban League. They are very supportive of my business. Like I said, they're my landlord and have been for the last five years and have been with me through the ups and downs of business ownership. And I learned so much from that program and then being able to go back every year and pour into the next person like I was poured into from that initial class I participated in has been very fulfilling for me. And I just love giving back to my community. I take my responsibility very seriously, um, very adamant about um, just people that look like me and helping them advance in any way I can. And I've learned a lot over these last eight years being a business owner. And so I wanna be able to help them avoid some of the mistakes that I made along the way. So I love the relationship I have with the Urban League because it, it, like I said, we do so much for each other. It's like they ask me to do something, I ask them for something and, and we just make it work. So it's a, it's like a, it's a family, family affair. It's a family relationship. I love it. Okay. No, that's beautiful. Now, Kylie, what about yourself? How did you come to know the Urban League? I know I met you, I think it was something to do with SBU. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but how did you get involved with the Urban League? Man, uh, well, one, thank you for, for having me, uh, and shout out to Houston area Urban League, Justin Robinson, uh, you know, who's the fantastic leader of the organization. But uh, I came to know the Urban League back in 2015 uh, when I had, you know, I took the leap of faith from the corporate world to become an entrepreneur. And a friend of mine has called me one day. I'm just chilling, you know, trying to find the, you know, the next thing to do and to learn. He's like, man, it's a small business development university happening down at the Urban League. You want to go? And I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I'm looking for. And so I, uh, that was my first introduction to the Urban League. I met Philip Yates, who was also a co-founder of Diversity Fund Houston, along with Tiffany. And uh, from that moment, um, I began to learn everything about being an entrepreneur. I'm talking about from the, the business basics, you know, the lean canvas, marketing, financials, you know, legal formation, all of the things that I needed at that moment in time as an entrepreneur, um, I learned it at the Urban League. And Urban League has, as Tiff mentioned, it has definitely been 1,000% uh, beneficial to me in my life and, uh, and really contributed to my success as an entrepreneur. Um, in not only just the Houston area Urban League, but the National Urban League has served in that capacity. Um, and I got the opportunity to, to participate in a lot of different, uh, you know, functions uh, in terms of whether it's, you know, teaching other entrepreneurs how to pitch uh, their business. Uh, you know, I got the chance to do that at the National Urban League Conference in, in Indiana the last year. Um, you know, I actually won, you know, uh, the national uh, pitch competition uh, in 2017 in St. Louis. So uh, Urban League has definitely been a, you know, a bright spot in my life and I will always hold it near and dear to my heart. I'm also a member of the YP, YP, uh, Young Professionals. I think you, you and I kind of uh, met there as well. And it's just been an awesome a journey uh, to be a part of the Urban League. And uh, I'm just grateful for them. And I'm glad that they are the cornerstone of the community. Uh, and it's, it's nothing for me to contribute my time, my energy, my effort to, you know, to help you know, the organization out. Now, one, one thing that I just thought about 
that um, you know both of you guys have in common is you both are two of the rock stars to come out of the Small Business University program uh, as entrepreneurs. And so, you know, why or what would you guys attribute to that? You know, like what? Why have you guys been so successful? Uh, like you said, taking that leap of faith, you yourself transitioning from corporate, uh, Kylie and with Tiffany, you know, you moved down here, you know, with two nickels, you know, trying to get it started. And you both have just continued to ascend. So, you know, if you had to, to point to something, uh, what would you attribute to that? Well, I moved down here with a little bit more than two nickels. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But um, but definitely moved down here very inexperienced and um, I would say a little bit naive. I was 24, just finished grad school, no business experience, no job experience, didn't know many people. But I think the thing that sets people like me, I'm not unique in any sense. I think it just takes leveraging the type of resources that a organization like the Urban League provides is what helps set people like me apart. Because I saw an opportunity like Kylie, I saw that this business development university was available. And even though I had just finished grad school, I found myself right back in a classroom type setting. But I was like, I don't know anything about business. I need help. And I think that that's been a um, running theme in my life is just being very curious and being open to learning new things and understanding that I don't know it all. And that there's other people out there and when they're willing to do it for free, it's like, oh my goodness, why wouldn't I take advantage of those resources? So I think just being open and receptive to what the Urban, Urban League had to offer and just really putting into place what they suggested. So I think people, you know, some people go through a program like that and they don't implement or take the advice and then they end up right back where they started or not advancing to the level that they want. But I've been consistent, I've been persistent and I've really just kind of leveraged that relationship that I've had with the Urban League. And I've continued to learn every year because even though I go back to present the module on video marketing, I go and sit in on some of the regular classes just to learn because every year there's different speakers coming in. Um, the, the class has gotten great, a lot better over the years. Um, they've put a lot more into it. And so, and the, the caliber of entrepreneurs has also changed too. I think just the people coming through it, the energy is just electric and, you know, it's just so many people ready to win. And so that type of energy is just infectious. And I think it just, it feeds into what I'm trying to do and why I've been able to uh, sustain myself this long. Um, if, I could, if I could chime, if I, if I could chime in right there, uh, first, I got to give a plug, right? You know, I am also the founder of Spendet. And for those that don't know, Spendet is a financial technology company on a mission to save 1 million families from, from financial fatality. So you can find us in, in the App Store, Google, and Apple, or you can find us at Spendet.com. So I had to say that. Um, <laughs> but, but, but uh, you know, to, to talk about, you know, the SBDU, a Small Business Development University, I think for me, it, it, was, it was the culture was right. Right, and we think about learning environments today, right? We 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 you know, we go get the formal education, or we may go get different certificates. Um, but really, the culture at the Urban League and what it presented allowed us to gel, allowed us to create the energy, uh, as Tiffany mentioned, right? And you get the chance to learn from people uh, of the same walk, 
right? And I can learn from my brother. I can learn from my sister. I think that makes a difference, right? We we talk about Black Lives Matter and, and what, you know, kind of the other circumstances, peripheral of circumstances that, that plague that, but I think a part of it is education, right? And, and you know, when you get in a room with people who look like you, who can translate like you, all right, you, you begin to um, feel more comfortable, right? And then when you present the information, you're able to ask questions and not be judged or not feel like you're asking a stupid question. All those things like really culminated uh, for me and the cohort that I've been a part of and even going back teaching a module here and there, but then participating in other modules just to continue to sharpen my skill set. Um, I think the culture was right, you know, and, and uh, that's really, you know, um, how I, you know, t have taken the Urban League and, and uh, have learned so much. And even from the things that I've learned and I participate in other organizations and other uh, accelerators or incubator programs, the same information that I've learned, I've been able to build on top of it because of the foundations uh, that, that it taught me. Okay. Now, you know, one of the things that we're getting into the, the meat of the conversation now with the diversity fund, and one of the things we know is that the majority of Black people are hired or have jobs through Black-owned businesses. Uh, we also know that when you're talking about communities of color, Black people, women, when it comes to trying to found, business, found businesses, um, it is very, very difficult for them to get investors or get funding uh, and get access to capital, access to resources. So, you know, with that kind of setting the table, what is the diversity fund and how did you guys come up with this concept? You know, just tell us about it. Absolutely. So Diversity Fund Houston is a micro venture capital fund created to invest in black and brown technology founders during the early stages of their startup. And we really created this this micro fund because currently, like you said, black founders black and brown founders are not getting the type of funding they need. And specifically in the VC space, they're getting less than 2%. And that stems from a lot of reasons, uh, primarily because they're just not in those VC networks. They don't have access to VCs. And then the VCs that they might be able to access are really investing in the companies and the technology that is relevant to them or that they understand or, you know, based on relationships that they have. And so without having access to those networks, we don't have access to those dollars. And um, the other thing is that a lot of VCs require you to have raised some money before you come to them. So they call that the friends and family round. And as you know, a lot of people in our community don't have friends and family that we can just call up and be like, hey, you know, hey, Unc, can I get $100,000 for this idea that I have? <laughs> you know, so it's like we don't have access to that. So they see us and they're like, well, you don't have any skin in the game. You haven't raised any money, so I'm not going to give you my money. And so those two major barriers are preventing us from getting venture capital. And so that's where Diversity Fund Houston stepped in. And we really want to be that friends and family round for diverse founders. And the idea really came about just from uh, side conversations that Phil and I were having or he and uh, Kylie were having. And, and we all just kind of came together because, as Kylie mentioned, Phil is one of our co-founders, Philip Yates. He is an attorney and also helped found the small business university that we've been talking so much about. And so the three of us kind of brought those conversations together 
and decided that we all wanted to do something. And at that point, we didn't really know what it was, but you know, I wanted to invest. We all wanted to help the community. We all wanted to build our portfolios, build generational wealth. And, um, you know, it just kind of, the idea just kind of came about. We started doing our research and our due diligence. And it's really, it's been about three years, I think. I mean, we started uh, in about 2017, correct me if I'm wrong, Kylie, but we started those conversations and we didn't know what we were doing. You know, like say, we've been left out of this space, so we didn't really know much about it, but we put our heads down, we were locked in, we made sure we learned, we made sure that we got all the information we could get and of, as of January this year, we've officially launched and hey, we're, we're looking to invest in some black and brown businesses. So one term you kept throwing out or, or acronym, and I think you, you said the actual word once or twice, but you kept saying BC. Uh, and so I want people to be real clear on what that is and what that means. Absolutely. And Kylie, if I'm dominating, please jump in. You know, I can You're doing talk. wonderful. You're doing <laughs> wonderful. Go ahead. <laughs> Impart to the people. <laughs> All right. Well, venture, uh, VC stands for venture capital. And venture capital is a type of investment and a type of investor. So um, typically a venture somebody that has a certain amount of money, has a certain, certain personal net worth, and they're able to invest in companies. They have to be accredited in order to invest in companies. And that's, that's going back to that personal net worth requirement that they have to have. And a venture capital firm is someone that manages investments for investors. So if I'm a high net worth individual and I'm looking to invest in businesses, but I don't necessarily have the time or the knowledge or, or whatever to go after individual entrepreneurs, then I can go to a venture capital fund, invest in them, then they'll manage it, they'll vet the talent, the companies do the due diligence, and then invest in several companies, and then I'm more likely to get a return because they've done all that work for me. So that's essentially what we are. We are a venture capital firm. So how did you guys, because I know you, you mentioned that I think you, you started this process in 2017, um, and then you launched this January. So what, what took place between then to now? And is the founders, is it you, Kylie, uh, Tiffany, is it just the three of you? Are there other founders? Like, what, what was that process like to get here? That's a long, it's a long journey. I think that's a, that's a loaded question. And I'll try to unpack it here. Um, but I, I think it came from, a, you know, a lot of different opportunities um, and gaps, particularly in the Houston market. Um, you know, particularly in my personal journey, after I, you know, I graduated from SBDU, I was looking for the next, the next program to get into. I was looking for that first angel investor or the first venture capitalist uh, to invest money, right? And I didn't know where to go. As Tiff mentioned, we didn't have that access. And so without the access, you know, I was really like, I was left hanging, right? You know, knew, we had, knew I had a good idea, but I needed, you know, I needed some funding. Uh, and Unfortunately, but you know, in this, in, as, as I look back, fortunately enough for me, I was able to do pitch competitions to help fund my company. But as Tiff mentioned, most companies don't have that luxury. Everybody's not going to win a pitch competition. So you need somebody to write you a check so you can get to that first you know, minimal viable product, you know, that first uh, version of your, your company so you can start to sell and generate some revenue. Uh, but so that, that part of uh, the of the equation to come up with DFH is, 
what you know I brought to the table is kind of really that entrepreneur experience and my navigations. I, I've been you know essentially across this country participating in programs, pitch conferences, all that. So I was able to bring that to the table and share you know some of those best practices. Like, hey, this is what we can do. This is what other communities are doing. You know, Philip Yates obviously had you know a plethora of, of the pipeline in terms of the entrepreneurial. He's teaching these classes. He's meeting other uh, what they call st startup development organizations. Uh, TIFF you know, brings a wealth of marketing knowledge, business knowledge, right? And so it's just like, you know, it was some others, right? You know, that come along the way and, and contribute to the conversation. But us three just really just kind of um, just took those ideas and made something of it. Um, and, and we really saw the fruit come from the classes, the cohorts year after year after year. But you know, some, some would, you know, struggle. Some won't be able to get off the ground because they have funding, right? And like, why is that the case? Other communities are flourishing because they have that capital. It's like, hey, how do we generate a fund to get our community to have lift, to get those ideas so they can create legacy, so they can create generational wealth, so they can create jobs at the minimum to, to help support the black and brown communities. And, and I believe that uh, we, uh, we should be able to do that for our communities and we're just blessed to be in a position to, to do that. And, uh, um, and that's really how I saw or I feel the, the culmination of the, the diversity plan Houston coming about. Yeah, and we really see it as um, our responsibility to invest in the technology that's going to solve the problems in our community. We don't really feel like that's up to anybody else. Um, and so those, those ideas, that work ethic and all that stuff, we see it come through the Urban League Small Business University every single year. And what, they, what that one component, well, two components that we see are missing, and that is the capital, obviously, that we've been talking about, but also the confidence. So Kylie mentioned that culture in the environment and having that to feed off of, almost like an HBCU, just, just being comfortable. And some of us don't know how to step outside of that type of environment and really thrive. And so luckily, that's one of the things I think that's made Kylie and I so successful is that we're not afraid to walk into a room when nobody looks like us and demand respect and ask for what we want and understand that we're just as capable and just as competent and can do anything. Um, but not everyone in our community thinks like that. And we really want to invoke that confidence and let them know that, yes, you can create a tech startup and you can walk into any room and ask for an investment. You can compete in these accelerators and on these different levels and you have everything it takes. You have the work ethic, you have the ideas, you have the knowledge, you have everything you need, but really just kind of pulling that out of them. So that's kind of where it came from, just us kind of sitting back and observing year after year at the entrepreneurs that are coming through that program. And then like Kylie said, just uh, some others came along the way and just helped contribute. But the three of us really just stuck with it and kept it going. And now we have a um, very illustrious board of advisors that help us oversee the fund. And so um, it's been an incredible journey and we're very excited to be on it. So one of the things that Kylie, you mentioned, and I wanted to give people additional clarity on was uh, pitch competitions. You know, what, what is that? Because as you mentioned, that is something you've been successful with. I know uh, the Urban League has been very good at training people to do it. One of my uh, Leadership Houston classmates, Deidre Mathis, she's been very successful locally and nationally. Uh, shout out to, you know, Wanda State, uh, the hostel over there, first black owned hostel, I believe, in the United States. Um, 
but what what is a pitch competition? Man, uh, shout out to Deidre Mathis. Uh, that is my pitch sister. Um, and uh, yeah, we always, we go back and forth, but we have a good time. Uh, pitch competitions. Pitch competitions are, it's a venue where uh, it's, it's a prize put aside for the best pitch um, of your business or idea. Um, so much like, you know, venture capitals are invested into entrepreneurs, this pitch competition is, is in the same vein where they provide capital and resources for entrepreneurs who have the next best idea or have the next best company. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to showcase what you've been working on. So if you don't have that rich uncle, if you don't have tips to give one of those nickels to you, you can put, position yourself to be in one of these pitch competitions and you talk, you talk about your business, right? So problem solution, your value proposition, how you're gonna make money, and ultimately how you're going to scale and grow the company. And whoever does it the best really incite, uh, excites the crowd and the judges. Hey man, they, they write you that check. Um, and I've, you know, just, you know, similar to, you know, uh, Deidre, I've been able to win uh, a couple pitch competitions in my day. Uh, and if I'm, if I'm really honest, I've been, it's been more than a couple now. And I've been blessed, you know, um, I had a good idea and I've been able to pitch it. I won, you know, uh, you know, nearly over a hundred thousand dollars in pitch competition. Um, it, it, I, I've got canned on a lot of them too, right? But you know, every night, every day, I'm, I was applying. So, uh, for those that are listening, have a business idea, have a company that you're trying to launch, and you can't get anybody to write your check, apply to these pitch competitions. Your local, urbanly, uh, should you know, should have an entrepreneurship center or a small business development university, uh, and you should be able to apply there. The National Urban League puts on the pitch competition every year as a part of its uh, National Urban League uh, convention. Um, I would tell you just get involved. It's more than enough competitions or even grant funding if you're not even a good pitcher. Apply for those things and now is the time. Don't wait. Um, and the last thing I'll say, you know, just for those that may think, man, that's not me. I can't get up in front of people and pitch. Uh, if you can't pitch, you think about other ways to grow your business, think about going to get the customer first. Go talk to your customer. So you building a product um, and, and you think like, how am I going to get this off the ground? Go potential sell to your first customer. Let them fund the idea, right? It may be a six-month process before you get it off the ground, but you have a customer. So when you build it, you can get paid for that solution. And so that's a great way to help uh, underwrite your, your idea or your business. I want to add to that, that now is the right time because I know, Kylie, you've come out of pocket for a lot of those pitch competitions and you didn't win all of them that you invested that time and that uh, money into. And so now with COVID, a lot of these pitch competitions and demo days are going virtual. So it's an even greater opportunity and incentive for you to do it now because you can do it from the comfort of your own home and not have to put those additional dollars into that um, or that type of investment forward. So I would say definitely do it now and get in as many as you can. And even if you fail, you'll learn because the judges will give you feedback and you'll be able to take that, refocus, re re-strategize, do what you need to do and get better the next time. And, 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 and to wrap this thing up, um, that's been one of the greatest things that the Houston Area Urban League Small Business Development University could ever have done, right? Is host a pitch competition. And here's why. We talked about the culture that SBDU created, um, but it created uh, a, uh, a community of uh, winners. Let me just say, let me just be honest and be bold uh, a bit. I mean, 
you, I mean, it's been at least five, maybe six uh, entrepreneurs that come out of SBDU that have on not only one locally, but have had presence on a national level um, in, in some capacity. And, and, and it's, it's, it's not by, you know, you know, by happenstance, I think we've all contributed and given back, whether it's myself, Deidre, Tiff, like we've all given back in that way to help the next, you know, young entrepreneur coming up, the next founder coming up. Um, and so we're, you know, trying to keep the community connected. And I think that is what it's all about. And you know, what's the slogan? And we are the movement. And I think we continue to do that. We can continue to build legacy. We can continue to build generational wealth and create jobs and sustainability and complete communities as our mayor wants to do in the city of Houston. No, I think you articulated that very well. And it sounds like, you know, two of the, the things that SBDU does the best is the, the culture it creates, um, you know, in conjunction with that confidence, Tiffany mentioned it instills in you, but also the ability to train people to pitch their business businesses. Because what I don't think a lot of people realize when you go into business for yourself is that at some point you're going to have to sell. Um, and that is definitely what the pitch is all about, whether that's selling yourself or your business. It's definitely a skill that you have to get uh, good with and or hire people that are good at doing it. Um, and so I think for me, one of the things that I'm curious about is, you know, if somebody wants to invest in the fund now, is that an option? And then, you know, what types of businesses are you guys looking to fund when you're talking about uh, the minority community and black and brown communities? Yes. Yeah, so the answer to your first question is yes, we are accepting investments. Um, but again, you do have to be an accredited, invest accredited investor. And um, so there are... So how do you become a credit investor? What does that mean? You have to have a certain amount of personal net worth. And, and you can go to the SEC's website, um, the Securities and Exchange Commission, to find out what those regulations are. Um, but you do have to have a certain personal net worth or make a certain amount annually for a certain number of consecutive years before you're eligible to get accredited. But the reason for that is because um, venture capital is, is risky. I mean, these are all startups. And just think about how many businesses fail every year. So there's no guarantees. And the, um, they want you to make sure that if you are investing, that you have the, the financial wherewithal to sustain yourself if you know, something happens and you don't get the type of return that you were anticipating. Um, but, but that is how you would um, be able to invest with us if you were accredited investor. And that information is public on the SEC's website. Um, I'm, I'm just going to add the color. I'm going to add the color right there to get specific just for those listeners that may, uh, may want to know right away. Uh, so you have to have a, a income over, you know, that exceeds $200,000 as an individual or over $300,000 as a, you know, as a, as a married or a couple of you know, partnership. Um, or you have to have a net worth of over a million dollars to be considered an accredited investor. Uh, so, uh, you know, if for those that have the capital, uh, we encourage you to activate that capital uh, and diversify, whether it's with Diversity Fund Houston or in, in other funds, you know, activate the capital. Uh, our community needs you and needs you now more than ever. And these are regulations. The reason I, I directed people to the SEC's website is because these are regulations that are not set by us. Our firm does not say, oh, you have to have a personal net worth of a million. That is standard. And so we have to comply with that. And we're not, we're not in control of when it changes. 
Um, but yes, those are the, the ways that you have to, um, or those are the two criteria that you have to meet or one or the other um, in order to invest with us. And then the flip side of that was what does the entrepreneur have to do to obtain investment from us? And that is, um, they have to go through, of course, due diligence. So they would need to um, contact us in some way and then you know, pitch their business to us in some way. And then from there, we would do our due diligence and determine if they meet all of the criteria that we require for investment. And then if they do, we would write the check. And then of course, that, that's not all though. We would have the, the relationship is ongoing. There is a mentorship component and we wanna make sure that they um, are successful, that these companies are scaling, that they're growing, they're getting the confidence they need, they're getting the capital they need, they're getting the advisement they need and they are successful because ultimately everybody in our community wins when these businesses are successful. The investor, us as the general partners and the entrepreneurs. And of course, that creates jobs and other uh, ripple effects. I heard you mention uh, the ability to solve problems. So are you looking for businesses that are solving problems in the black and brown communities? Uh, do they have to be more tech focused? Um, you know, what is that kind of the way you guys are leaning right now? So our primary focus is on technology businesses or tech enabled businesses. So businesses that um, incorporate technology to run more efficiently in some aspect. And um, that is our primary focus, but we also will consider high growth potential businesses. So it might not be a technology focus, but they have a lot of growth potential. And so it'll be a case by case basis, but yes, we want companies, I mean, essentially all businesses need to solve some sort of problem, whether it's specific to the black and brown community or not. And no, if your product or service solves a problem for everybody in the world, that's fine too. It doesn't have to be specific to black and brown, but our focus is on investing in black and brown because they are receiving the least amount of VC funding right now. And we want to change that. If, if, if I can add too, um, you know, just to that, uh, I think you know, the, the other side of it, you know, just playing devil's advocate, you know, every business is not investable. And, and, it, it, and it's very critical that, you know, the founders or the business owners understand that. Um, and whether you get investment or not, um, you may be more suited to get a bank loan. And so um, in terms of investment, however, it's all about generating a, a large return for the investor. So if you, if you, if you don't have a high growth um, company, if your revenues are not uh, growing at a rapid rate, essentially, right? Um, how do you return that capital to the investor? Typically, they want to see a 3x, you know, 5x, some, some say 10x return, right? And so it's, it's important to understand the, the type of capital you need for your, you know, your particular business. And so your, your, your accountant, uh, you know, your banker, they should be able to help you understand what capital is best for your business. And I think all businesses should just understand that just at the base level, uh, in, the, in the event that you do need to go see capital. Um, and we see how, you know, in this climate, and a lot of companies needed some support, right? And, and uh, you have to understand your financials to the point where you know when to act and know what to act and know who to act uh, to support your uh, financial endeavors. Now, where do people find more information on the Diversity Fund Houston? Like, where do we direct them? They can go to thediversityfund.com. That's uh, T-H-E, 
D-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y-F-U-N-D.com. And they can sign up for our, uh, we have a quick little form on there that just asks whether they are interested in mentorship, um, investment, or um, they're seeking investment. And then from there, one of our team members will follow up with them. Okay. Now, three things we're trying to remind people in the community about right now is the census through our national Make Black Count campaign uh, about voting in terms of being registered to vote, being volunteer deputies to register people to vote. Of course, you know, being informed and actually voting in the elections. But also the third thing, uh, staying safe because we are still in a pandemic. So wearing masks, washing your hands, physical distancing to the best of their ability. And uh, each episode, we try to make sure we get our guests thoughts on those things. So just real quick, uh, have you guys completed your census? You know, why, why not? Uh, do you guys vote? Why, why not? And are you guys being safe with the coronavirus? Yeah, so um, I am in the process of completing my census. Ray, don't beat me up. But no, <laughs> it's been one of those things that's been on my to-do list and I just have not stopped. But after this conversation, I'm definitely going to do it because I don't ever want to be put on the spot and in this situation again. But, um, but no, it's, it's critically important for all of us to complete our census because it's a way that our community gets the resources that it needs. And so I'll definitely be completing my census. I also make a point to vote in every election because not only is the, the national one important, our local ones are even more important because those are the things that directly affect us um, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so making sure that we are out there, that our voices are heard, and that we're holding our leadership accountable is so critical, especially at a time like right now. And then in terms of the COVID um, situation, I'm definitely staying safe. I am not going anywhere unless it is absolutely necessary. And I am social distancing. I'm wearing my mask. When I went to vote, I, went, I underwent all of the safety measures that the Harris County Clerk's Office put into place. And so, yeah, I think, you know, it's important. We have to stay healthy. We have to stay safe. We have to stay informed. That's the only way our community is going to move forward is if we're all in this together and we're all doing our part and we're making sure that, um, you know, we're safe and our voices are heard. Yeah. Wow. Uh, for me uh, and my family, we have completed our census. Um, and uh, I would definitely encourage everyone to do that. You know, being on the side where we look for data, um, data is powerful. And so in order for us to do our work as a you know, diversity fund or even for companies who, you know, want to, you know, look up public data, right, you know, some of that data is pulled from census, right? And so I would tell you it's, it's, it's incredibly important for you to uh, complete the, the, the census report and also, um, uh, uh, you know, encourage others to do the same. Uh, in terms of the, you know, COVID-19, uh, social distancing, you know, masking up, man, definitely doing all of that. You know, when I went to go vote well, a couple of weeks ago, and then they gave us like the little little finger condoms or whatever it was to touch the <laughs> the voting the voting booth and pad, right? And so, you know, definitely, you know, uh, you know, trying to do that because one, it, it's hitting our communities, you know, you know, more than ever, uh, and and. Uh, for a lot of reasons. And so um, I definitely don't want to, you know, infect my family and I don't want my family to infect me either. Uh, and then what was the last point? 
Yeah, census voting and uh, the coronavirus. You touched on all. Oh, three. boom! I, I I hit all three of them. So yeah, just definitely encourage everybody. Uh, and, and the whole the the, and the the point I make about voting. And sometimes, you know, we 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 push. Got to go vote. You got to go vote. Um, and if we are dissatisfied, right? You think about this. If we are dissatisfied with previous results or the previous way of life or whatever laws or whatever systems are in place. Um, if we want those same things to continue to be in place, then don't vote, right? But if you want to change those things, you have to vote. It's incredibly important. And so I want to encourage everybody to get out of vote. They say doing the same things over and over is insane. It's insanity. In order to change it, we can change it just with your vote. And so you matter. We, we matter. Black Lives Matter. You know, be a part of the change that you want to see and go vote. Absolutely. And again, real quick, Tiffany, tell people that website so they can find uh, the Diversity Fund. TheDiversityFund.com. And you can also connect with us on our social media channels. So if you Google the Diversity Fund Houston, we'll, we'll pop right up. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. No, excuse me. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, so no tweets. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so come. Uh, and so I want to thank you guys again for joining us today. Very informative. Uh, I know I learned a lot about the Diversity Fund, about VC Venture Capital, and, you know, the journey of an entrepreneur. And so I know this is something that will be very beneficial to the community. We want to remind people to complete your census. Go to my2020census.gov literally takes less than five minutes and you have the ability to make lasting impact for the next de decade. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars come back to our community for roads, hospitals, and infrastructures. Uh, and part of that money comes out of your tax dollars. So it's, you know, money that you're owed anyway. So please make sure you complete that. We were undercounted at 3.7 million in the black community in 2010. Want to make sure you guys are registered to vote and voting in the upcoming election. If you're in Harris County, go to harrisvotes.com. Any other counties, go to votetexas.gov for all those details. Please make sure you're registered. And the last thing, please, please, please stay safe. Listen to the public health officials. Uh, wash your hands. You know, don't touch your face. Wear a mask when you're out and about. Uh, and make sure that you are physically distancing. And if you have the ability, you can also take advantage of the free testing sites through the city of Houston. They're still conducting that. I got tested. Uh, thankfully, I was negative. That process took me about 40 minutes going through that line. So make sure you're doing that as well. And thank you guys for tuning in each and every week to Empower. This is Ray Shackleford. This is presented each and every week by the Houston Area Urban League. To learn more about how the Houston Area Urban League is impacting the community and ways you can get involved, visit us online at haul.org. Follow us on Twitter at League. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or whichever podcasting platform you enjoy. Thanks for listening to Empower, presented by the Houston Area Urban League.